I'm going to start out with this statement. I'm not sure if it's going to show up on the screen or not. Uh, but uh, it's something that I, I read a number of years ago, and it goes this way. God has not brought us this far to cause us to fail. Let me say that again. God has not brought us this far to cause us to fail. Now, I don't remember, like I said, when I ever heard that statement the very first time, but it seems as true today as it did when I first read that verse. Now, when we say that God has not brought us this far uh, to cause us to fail, we're talking about the doctrine of what is, I'm going to call God's providence. So you're going to hear me talk about a couple of theological things today. I'm going to get a little theological with you, and I'll leave the Hebrew and all that stuff to Jeff next week. But that word providence is a word that comes in two parts. It's pro-video. Pro-video. Put together, it means to see before. Providence is to see something before it ever happens, for example. And though this word providence is not found in most modern translations of the Bible, uh, the concept is very, very biblical. It refers to God's gracious, if you, if you will, his oversight of the universe. And every one of those words is important. We think about God's providence. That's one aspect of God's grace. I love that word, grace, G-R-A-C-E. I always think of that acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. But it's also, uh, oversight means he directs the affairs of life. And that means day to day, minute by minute, moment by moment. And when he uses that word universe, well, it's not just Hollister. It's not just restore. It's the big picture. God concerns himself with the tiniest of details. Now, the doctrine of God's providence... And I'll walk you through this to help you understand this. It teaches three important truths. One of them is that God cares about the tiniest details of your life. Now, sometimes we think, well, God's only kind of interested in the big stuff because, after all, he's God. But just think about the tiniest of details. I mean, nothing escapes God's notice. Uh, He's concerned about the small as well as the big. In fact, with God, there is no big and there is no small. Uh, He knows when a sparrow falls out of the tree and dies. Uh, He knows the number of hairs on your head, which means he doesn't know people like Jeff and Ed (laughs) and myself uh, quite as well. But he he knows that. He knows that. Uh, He keeps track of the stars in the skies. He knows where they all are. He knows where every river is and knows where it flows into oceans or bays or whatever. Uh, He's set the day of your birth. Uh, He's also got the day of your passing, your heavenly home going already set. Uh, And he ordains everything that comes to pass somewhere in between day of birth, day of going home. That's one truth. Another truth is that God uses everything and he wastes nothing. Uh, There are no accidents with God. uh, Only, well, if there are no accidents, they must all be incidents. So he's got incidences, there's such a word, that includes events that sometimes seem to us to be senseless tragedies. I mean, school shootings. I mean, it seems like a senseless tragedy. But let's understand, God doesn't waste that. There's there's another truth here, too, and that's that God intends to shape his children into the image of Jesus. I think most of us know Romans 8.29, where he talks about he he wants to mold us into his children, And he often uses, some of you have already figured this out, he uses difficult moments 
and human tragedies to actually accomplish his purpose in your life. Now, I could go through a whole lot of Bible passages this morning just to kind of prove that or show that to you that teach this truth. Let me just think about Acts 17, 28 for a moment. It says, in him we move and have our being. Or if you want to go to Colossians, when Paul is writing to the church there, he says, in him all things hold together. Or if you back up into the New, in the Old Testament, Proverbs 16, 9, it talks about how a... In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I always like that. I preached a sermon one time that says God is in charge of our steps and our stops. He's in charge of that. Or Psalm 115, verse 3. Uh, our God is in the heaven. He does whatever pleases him. <laughs> Not Lou, <laughs> but him. Yeah. Well, uh, with that kind of a background... Uh, we're going to return to the study of the book of Ruth. You're wondering, oh my gosh, we didn't get to Ruth today. It's only three verses. Well, I had to fill some time today. <laughs> well, not really. But we've seen how uh, this time of famine, Elimelech, remember him, uh, moved his family to Moab, which was not a wise choice. Uh, and while they were living in that pagan territory, Elimelech dies, and both of his sons, uh, Malan and Chilion, both die as well. Ten years pass, we covered that last week, and so you've got Naomi, the mom, and her two uh, daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, are preparing now to go back to Bethlehem. If you remember last week's message was, you don't need to stay in Moab to get all your whole life, you can actually go back to Bethlehem. So she's preparing to go back, and uh, she's got these two widows with her. And uh, along the way, Orpah decides, no, I'm going to stay in Moab. And she just kind of disappears right off the stage for a long time. And uh, they head back to Bethlehem, the so-called house of bread, at the start of the barley harvest. Now, the barley harvest was typically in April and May. And I'm going to kind of slide everything to the side a little bit, add something Jeff can amplify on this a little bit later, but I, I think about uh, what is the barley harvest? I mean, where does that come into play in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, it's known by a couple of different words, Shavat or Ashkenazi. There's some language lesson for you already. It's commonly called in the New Testament the uh, Feast of Weeks. Now, it's one of the three big pilgrimages where every uh, male was told to come back to Jerusalem, like for the Passover. They're coming back for the Feast of Weeks. It also, if you want to get really technical, it also marks the revelation of the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures, to Moses on Mount Sinai after 49 days, 49 days after they left Egypt. And now there's 49 days between Passover and what? The Feast of Weeks or Shabbat. Okay, we can shove that back on the side. You've got a little bit of background. So this is kind of... There's nothing in this scripture that's there just because God wanted to fill some space. So it's kind of important to know those kinds of things. Now, uh, let's go back to the three ladies. Naomi feels like God has abandoned her uh, because she left Bethlehem with somebody, came back. She's totally empty. As Ruth 1 ended last week, we can sense that something is about to happen but what is it? How does this story actually unfold? Now, if it's true that joy comes in the morning, guess what? Naomi's living at midnight. 
where is the sunlight of God's kindness in this story? Well, these first three verses that Jessica just read to us begin to kind of unfold that answer. And so as we study that passage today, um, we can see God's providence. Remember that seeing before that pro video, uh, how he works behind the scenes to accomplish something pretty stupendous for Naomi and Ruth. Now, we have the benefit of knowing how the story ends. And this is the problem with doing Ruth. Well, we all know she gets married in the end and blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. But look at this stuff ahead. And this is really good stuff here. I mean, but neither of these two widows have any idea of what we know. I mean, this is a terrible thing. So here's the question. How does God's providence work in the lives of ordinary people? And I would include us in ordinary people how he did it with Naomi and Ruth. Now, I'm going to talk about three ways this morning. Here's the first one. He prepares his people. In other words, he gets people ready for what's going to happen. That first verse was, now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. Now, we got, well, I know the story. I was wondering where Boaz was going to show up. There it is, right there. Now, so far in the book uh, of Ruth, there hasn't been much good news. I mean, hardly any at all. Uh, You have an ill-advised trip to Moab. We looked at that. We've had three funerals. Uh, We got three widows. We got a sad trip back to Bethlehem. And Naomi thinks that God has treated her pretty sadly, harshly, I think is the word she used. The only bright spot in Naomi's life up to this point is Ruth's wonderful declaration we looked at last week. You know, whither thou goest, thou will go. Your God will be my God, all of that. But remember, they returned at the start of what? The barley harvest. Oh, you remember the barley harvest? Now you kind of a little sick that you kind of take some of that stuff back here and you're going to bring that forward. Now that might not seem like a whole lot of good news, but it meant that things were beginning to brighten up a little bit. You see, in the Bible, every little detail matters. Nothing is added as filler. I mean, God didn't tell, okay, uh, let's toss this line in there to it. Just, we need to make this a four-chapter four book. No, it doesn't work that way. The beginning of the barley harvest uh, alerts us to the changing fortunes of life. So no matter what yesterday was like, uh, we never know what tomorrow will bring. And anything can happen because what? Because anything always happens. That's the background of those first three verses that Jessica read to us. So in verse one, we have the first mention of good old Boaz, who, as we learn, is related to who? Elimelech. Oh, you remember Elimelech. Uh, Later, we discover that he's also qualified to be a kinsman redeemer. You guys were asking about that in the very first Talk back time. And I said, we'll get there sooner or later. Uh, we will, I promise. But for the moment, all we know is this. Boaz and Elimelech are related somehow. We also know that he's a man of pretty high standing in his community. In fact, it says he's a man of noble character. Now, you all looking at your Hebrew Bibles, and you know that noble character could mean something like mighty warrior Or it could even be a a man of great wealth. And maybe all three of these somehow come together. And so you've got Boaz, a man of character, who is a mighty warrior, and he's also got some money. Now, 
In other words, he's the right man in the right place at the right time, but he doesn't know it yet. Got no clue. He has heard, he's only heard about Ruth's devotion to Naomi, but he's never met her. Now, verse 1 kind of foreshadows the story that, we begin to, that be, begins to play out. And see, even though Naomi comes home greatly discouraged, feeling she has no future, what has God been doing? God has been working behind the scenes. And now his plan is about to be unveiled in a rather unlikely way. And so, you know, I, I, going back in my files, and I, every sermon I've ever preached, I've got that backed up on a hard drive. And I go back every once in a while to see if I've ever preached on something before, if I had an illustration or something. And I kind of scan back into some old teaching notes from about 15 years ago on Ruth. And I came across the phrase that kind of leapt off the page. And this, I'm going to have to unwrap this one, too. It's called the prevenient grace of God. You ever heard that term before? The prevenient grace of God. Now, this phrase... Uh, refers to the grace that goes before. In other words, we're just trotting through life, and guess what? Grace is out ahead of us. Grace is out ahead. God's already out there taking care of different things. It means that every situation, God is already at work before we ever get there. When we started the coffee shop ministry at Hollister Coffee, the grind, I don't know that we ever had any idea that we would be here today. Unless you guys know something I don't know. But God was already out there working, trying to figure out, oh, let's see, I can put these guys right across the street from Hollister High School. Oh, I, Jeff actually knows somebody who works over at Hollister High School. Oh, we and all of a sudden, and God's out there, and all of a sudden we arrive. Now, that's kind of interesting stuff. We've got a guy at the right man in the right place at the right time, but he doesn't know it. But prevenient grace is already working this stuff out. See, now, we often limit our thinking, and I'm going to see, I say we, I I know I do. Uh, My thinking is that God's presence kind of walks alongside of me as I go through life. And that's true, but it's only part of the story. He's not only with us now on the last day of the month of of May, of what is this, April. Uh, He's also way down the road ahead of us. But let me say it another way. Uh, while I'm living on Sunday, he's clearing the road for me already this Friday and this Saturday. Or to say it another way, God is already, already working at providing solutions to problems I'm not even aware of at this point in my life. Now, be quite honest, it would be good enough, wouldn't it, if we just knew that God was walking alongside of us? That's pretty cool. But isn't it great to know that he's already ahead of us? Planning it out. Goes ahead of us, clearing out all of the nonsense, arranging the details. So when we get there, we have confidence because we know he's been there already. That's the prevenient grace of God. He's been out ahead of us. He goes before his people. He works in the future while we live in the present. And even though Naomi didn't know it and would not have believed it when she was still back in Moab, God was working in her life, even in that desolate country. She was preparing Boaz to come to the rescue at just the right moment. And remember, Boaz doesn't know diddly squat either. 
he's completely oblivious to this. Now, Ruth certainly had no idea. I mean, each person did as they pleased, yet it worked out the way God intended it. And so that's how providence works. He prepares people even when they don't know (laughs) that they're being prepared. I mean, right now, all of you are being prepared for something. Now, if I said, what are you being prepared for? You say, well, I kind of got an inkling. I think this is where God is leading me. But I think God may be preparing you for something you don't even know about yet today. Hmm. wonder what that could be. Gosh, maybe I'll move back to Texas and retire and somebody will call me and say, would you like to start a new mission church in Texas? <laughs> I mean, that's, not all, that's nowhere close to being on my radar. But who knows? You know, but we're only thinking about today. That's how providence works. Now, here's the second point. He arranges the plan. Okay, he gets the people ready, but now he's going to arrange the plan. And this is verse 2. Ruth the Moabitess. And I don't know if you noticed. That's her name. Tends to be her name all the time. Ruth the Moabitess. We're being reminded that she's not one of God's chosen people. It says, Ask Naomi, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? And Naomi answered her, go ahead, my daughter. Now, when Ruth and Naomi came back home, chances are they were pretty much flat broke. No husband, no income, nothing. They were living somewhere below the poverty line, which is a pretty dangerous place for widows to live in those days. But Ruth has got a plan here. Uh, She asked for permission to go out to the field and pick up what's left behind, the fallen grain. And there's several things to to remember here. One of them is, first of all, Ruth is obviously younger than her mother-in-law, probably in better physical condition. Uh, Gleaning in the fields, uh, if you've ever worked in the fields, you know, baling hay, I did that for a couple of times, not fun job. Uh, It's hot, it's hard, it's back-breaking work. It meant hours spending following all of the reapers walking through the field and picking up anything that they kind of leave behind. That's one thing to remember. The second thing is that God commanded his people. Oh, wow. God had a plan. God had a plan. Already he told his people, when you harvest, always leave behind grain in the fields so that the poor would have something to eat. Now, if you wonder where that's from, you can read Deuteronomy 24:19 later today. But I'm going to read it for you right now. It says, when you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheep, Do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, aha, Naomi, the fatherless, and the widow. Whoa, the widow. So that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, in order to make the point clear, God commanded the same thing, by the way, in Deuteronomy 24 about uh, olives and grapes. Uh, In other words, don't. Be so careful when you harvest that you don't leave anything behind for people who are less fortunate. Leave some there for the poor to eat. And so that's what's happening here in Ruth chapter 2. Now, the third thing is Ruth shows her character by not wallowing in self-pity. She's willing to work hard for herself to take care of her mother-in-law. We might say this way, uh, do what you have to do each day and trust God to bring about the right results. She's moved to meet some basic needs. Um, it's menial labor, but Ruth is not, well, 
that's not beneath her. She's willing to do that. So God is preparing his people. Now, here's the third point. He oversees the result, and that's verse 3. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. And this, I like this next little phrase. I'll come back to this in a slightly different version. She happened to be, oh, yeah. yeah, she happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Well, let's start with the fact that Ruth entered the field. Got to do a little farming here for you. In those days, uh, this would be a large tract of land. And it would be divided amongst uh, uh, various groups of people. Uh, for example, a guy by the name of Eliezer uh, might have the northern section, and a guy named Caleb would have uh, the southeast corner. Uh, Jacob would grow crops on the western edge. And somewhere in the middle of all this was the property of Boaz. Now, the people in those days would use stones and other markers to mark off their property lines. Now, this means, what this means, you probably say, well, well, big deal. What's this got to do with story? Well, this means Ruth had no idea whose property she might be on at any given time. From her point of view, she merely, what, happened to end up on the part of the field owned by Boaz. I don't know if you know this. I thought about you when I, I, the other day, Jeff, uh, the Hebrew thing. The King James, the King Jimmy version uses an interesting little phrase. Some of you have a King James version with you today. This is what it says here. Her hap was to light. Her hap, H-A-P. Her hap was to light. Now, that's kind of an interesting little phrase. It's kind of old-fashioned, but it gets the point across. And then if you go to, like, the contemporary English Bible, it says, by chance. And a lot of versions say, it just so happened. Well, it didn't just so happen. I mean, God preordains all of this. This is that prevenient grace of God at work. In other words, the writer wants us to know that Ruth didn't say, I'm going to hunt down that Boaz guy and his field in Miriam. She knew nothing here. Now, that's true from a purely human point of view. But we know there's no such thing as luck or chance or fate. Nothing in the universe just happens. Even if a sparrow falls off the branch and dies, or even if he could count the hair on my head, then we know he oversees some of the tiniest particles there are. Nothing happens apart from God. I don't care what you say. Well, Pastor, what about this? Well, hey, God knew about that. God was out there ahead. He knows what he was doing. He knows there's a plan behind all of this stuff. See, this passage just demonstrates how God works behind the scenes. And only our Lord knows what's going to happen next. Boaz has not met Ruth. Ruth is not planning on meeting Boaz. Naomi has no idea Boaz and Ruth will someday get married. She's not got the vaguest idea that someday she's going to be holding a little baby in her arms. Uh, she has no idea that God was putting uh, together the affairs that would make Ruth the Moabite uh, in the line of Jesus the Messiah. All they had to do is the same thing you and I have to do, and that is to watch, to wait, and obey. How many of you like doing those three things? Watching. Waiting. It's probably the middle one you don't like much, but then sometimes when you find out what's coming up, you don't really like the third part either, which is to obey. See, each step, watching, waiting, and obeying, take them closer to the destination that God had planned 
way from the beginning. And that, so that's how providence works, not only for them, but also for us. Now, understand providence, again, that pro video to look ahead, that providence doesn't guarantee easy or immediate results. But it does assure us that somewhere out there are answers. It tells us through it takes us uh, tells us that through our uh, good times, our hard times, through our wisdom, um, through our foolishness, through our laughter, through our tears, God is out there working His plan for us. See, the God who took care of Ruth, God who took care of Naomi, the God who took care of Boaz, is our God too. Same one. We can trust him, even though sometimes we, we prefer the million-dollar answer to questions. You know, the one that says, oh, what a mighty God we serve. He really came through big time for us. Uh, but friends, uh, guess what? The, the God of the big stuff, he's the God of poquito. That's your Spanish lesson for the, the little things, the little things as well. The God who hangs the stars out in space is also the God who... Knows how many hair you have on your head, Lou. So then why would it surprise any of us that God arranges for Ruth to just happen to glean the field owned by good old Boaz? Well, circumstances, as somebody says, are really just the fingerprints of God. I mean, nobody saw that that day in Bethlehem. Now, the women were all saying, uh-oh, she just wandered back into Boaz's field. We know how this is going. No, they don't know squat either. Ruth doesn't see it. Naomi doesn't see it. Neither does Boaz. God's plan would only become clear later. And that's the way life is for all of us. Somewhere I read a long time ago, it said that God is probably perhaps doing 10,000 things in your life just as you're standing there. Well, sometimes I don't think I'm doing anything. It's like my wife will say, what are you doing? I go, I don't know. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Well, God's already got all kinds of stuff going out here. Um, You understand maybe three of the things that you've got planned. Uh, We can't imagine all the ways that God is actually working in our lives, both for our good and for his glory. Or we can put it this way. We don't know what we don't know. It's only later we begin to kind of piece this all together and say, oh, man. God was there all the time. Wow. That ought to build your faith. God is at work in my life in 10,000 different ways right now. Uh, It ought to humble us. I'm not smart enough to figure out 10,000 ways to do anything. It ought to give us hope. Uh, You know, God knows what he's doing even when I don't know what I'm doing. See, the providence of God is meant to give us confidence. You know, so we don't have to be a bunch of weenie Christians, you know, where we're, I don't know what to do. No, hey, God's on my side. It's going to give me confidence in what I do, uh, it, particularly in the times of confusion. I mean, today, many things are really unclear. And we live in a really weird world today. Lots of stuff doesn't make sense. It's uncertain. It's undecided. Uh, probably today we have more questions than we have answers. So it's a mysterious journey that you and I are on. We've got unexpected twists and turns, and the path ahead of us is kind of a mystery. But there is one person who knows the way because the past, the present, and the future are all the same to him. There's no difference between darkness and light for our God. He knows the way we should go. 
knows the way our country should go. He knows where our leaders should go. Well, every message ought to have a bottom line. So what's the bottom line for today? Well, simply this. God has not brought us this far to fail. We need to say what the Bible says, that all things, remember that passage, all things work together for good for them that love God. All things part of God's unfolding plan of redemption. And if so, then this, there's no such thing as fate or luck or chance. Now, do you believe that? I do. No such thing. So I just hope that this kind of great truth or just three simple little verses would be kind of the source of your security. Not to worry. Uh, rest in the Lord. Uh, lay your soul on the solid rock. That would have been a hymn today. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Uh, God's eternal providence. To so just rest in his control of all things. What's the future for Restore? Oh, I know what I'd like to see. I think we need to make plans for the future. I think we need to look to God and ask him, what else can we do to make these plans in the future turn out? But in the same way, I have no idea what God's got in store. It may be something completely different, something completely better than anything we ever thought of. And that's not only true for this place called Restore. It's also true for everybody from Bo all the way around, way back there to David. Plans are there. So just rest in his control of all things. Rest there and you're going to sleep well tonight. I don't have a great finish for the sermon, so I'm just going to say stay tuned. Because <laughs> this story is about to make an amazing turn in two weeks. <laughs> When Ruth actually meets Boaz.